new era in Pittsburgh has begun, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Steelers fix. I'm behind the steel curtain, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. My name is Andrew Wilbar, alongside the legendary Jeremy Betts. Jeremy, a new era has started in the Steel City. What are your initial thoughts? Well, hopefully Kenny Pickett is uh, a good bit more legendary than than myself <laughs> uh, by the end of his career. Uh, I don't know, mixed bag results in, in the first exposure to KP8, but uh, a lot of positives to to look at. So I'm feeling pretty good, man. I'm Despite the loss, which, I don't know, it was probably the most depressing loss of the season so far because the unit that you were hoping would be the one to make the plays uh, when you're up 10 points, and that being the defense, could not make a stop for an entire quarter. And it, you know, blew the game for the Steelers. And I mean, you can look at some other things, obviously, but when it comes down to it, the defense didn't hold up their end of the bargain this week. And uh, just feels like when the defense does, the offense can't do it. And now when the offense finally does enough, the defense can't do it. So it's frustrating. Absolutely. Talk about a guy who put some ice on his thermometer this week, Zach Wilson. Sheesh. Coming in, you know, concerns, you know, what is Joe Flacco just going to keep the job? You know, what's going to happen to Zach Wilson when yeah. he comes back and leading them back in that fourth quarter? I mean, that that was a that was a well-played game. He displayed good decision-making. He didn't look incredibly rusty either right. considering yeah. the time that he was out. He looked pretty sharp. And very Houdini-like, Patrick Mahomes-like, mm-hmm. escaping pressure. The Steelers should have had six sacks in that game, and they only came away with one because – he did some sort of voodoo, wacky moving around back there, and it was absolutely impressive to watch uh, despite rooting for the opposite side. So Zach Wilson could have a bright future over there in New York, especially with that cast of weapons around him. He's got guys left and yeah. right he can get the ball to. So. And we don't even talk about Elijah Moore, but yeah. you know, a guy who a lot of people are even beginning <laughs> to give up on in his second year. Another talented guy, we saw Corey Davis go off yesterday, and of course Garrett Wilson really becoming that number one guy in that offense. They have weapons, and that offensive line is slowly beginning to improve. Mm-hmm. And that can improve. They've got the running game, too, with Michael Carter and Brees Hall. Didn't, uh, Michael Carter hasn't done a whole lot the past couple weeks, but we've seen right. his ability on the field, and Brees Hall seems to be getting a little bit stronger each week. Well, there's a lot of different things we're going to get into in today's show. And the title of the show is Picking Positives from the Steelers 1-3 and three Start. We look at it. It's not We've not seen the greatest outcome so far. Mm-hmm. But there are positives that have come out of this season. And you can look at it from many different perspectives. And Jeremy and I will both be coming from different ones, as we typically do. But that's what makes <laughs> it yeah. interesting just to be able to go back and forth and see each other's perspectives. Um, and yeah. we're always interested in hearing yours as well. If you have thoughts on... The situation with the Steelers currently right now, be sure to hit us up on Twitter and give us your thoughts. And who knows, we may be mentioning you in next week's show. And by the way, if you haven't checked it out, as we mentioned on many weeks, but go and check out uh, Jeremy, Jeffrey Benedict's cutting room floor article, uh, er, cutting room floor uh, podcast, man, really having a rough time here. Uh, So yeah, we have Jeremy's, I'm getting mixed up between Jeremy's fantasy article and Mm. Jeffrey's, cutting room floor podcast but you can guarantee he's gonna be breaking down (laughs) all the biggest stuff especially as it pertains to Pickett and Trubisky I can he can break it down as good as anybody behind the steel curtain uh so be sure to go and check him out and don't forget following us tonight the Scobro show 
but you can always check them out live on YouTube, but also be sure to check them out here wherever you listen to podcasts and check them out. They're always quite a bit of fun. I always enjoy it when I get an opportunity to hang it in the live chat uh, when they're going live. Haven't had a chance to do that yet this uh, collegiate semester, but hoping to very quickly. Jeremy, I know um, out of the you, we're both into some of the YouTube live podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, what which one would be your favorite of the primetime podcasts? Well, I mean, I've when I got my start with uh, behind the silk curtain, or I guess not my start with them, but you know, first um, started going to them as a source and listening to their podcasts and stuff. It was always the the preview and the post game that I really enjoyed uh, the dynamic with uh, with those guys. And um, but I, I I really enjoy um, the touchdown under. Uh, I enjoy the Scobro show. Uh, those they're all so good. And if you haven't listened to some of those, uh, and if you haven't joined in live and, uh, chatted with the guys on YouTube, you've got to do that. It, it is a blast and, uh, Steelers fans, uh, uh, coming together for a, a fun time. Really cool. Before you started this podcast, if I remember right, you were, uh, you were a guest on the preview once, if I recall. Yeah, I was, it was more of a, more of a, an intro of, what I would be doing, but yes, I did get a chance to do that. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, um, got I, those guys just play off each other. So well, Jeff, Brian, and, and, uh, and Dave. And so uh, it was neat to be a part of that. I hope to be able to do that again sometime. That'd be fun. Most definitely. And know your enemy is another good show yes. um, that mm-hmm. I always enjoy, especially with um, Jeffrey and Shannon and just their uh, football knowledge, being able to look at it from the opposite team's perspective, just really gives a good balance. Uh, to the game as we preview it uh, for the following week. There's not a ton of news outside of the fact that the Steelers are one and three and (laughs) the quarterback situation. Uh, But initial indications show that the Steelers are going to be sticking with Kenny Pickett. doesn't seem to be much of a debate at this point. Uh, Jeremy, I think you and I both agreed last week, even though we were on opposite sides of the agreement, disagreement, uh, we both agreed that when, Pickett comes in for that first time. It's mm. it's him all the way. You can't go back regardless of what the result is. Um, Ian Rappaport's reporting that it looks like the Steelers are going to stick with Kenny Pickett. Um, I don't think that anybody's going to throw a fit over this one. I assume we yeah. can agree that um, this is really the only option the Steelers have at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, by the time listeners get a chance to sit down and listen to this, Mike Tomlin might have made that official and his mm-hmm. Tuesday press conference. So, um, you know, that's something that we'll be watching for as well. And I'm sure you'll get the latest updates from uh, behind the steel curtain.com about that. But Andrew, I think, you know, we, we had the, the uh, first take style debate about it last week and uh, it was a lot of fun. Turns out we were both, you know, kind of right. They, they did give Trubisky a little more time, one, one more half, and then it was time for the rookie. So both of our wishes happened in the same game. I don't know uh, how it, felt to you but i was very excited with the with the turnout but yeah we can get into that more maybe once we get into picking <laughs> the positives and the negatives sure. well we're sure. not doing the negatives today but we'll we'll try to keep it positive uh as much as we can but another thing noteworthy uh is that calvin austin a guy who flashed a lot in uh the early portions of mini camp and uh, before the injury looked really, really solid. 
he is a guy who is now uh, coming off injured reserve, has a chance to come back and be a part of this offense. Do you think he's going to have a prominent role in the offense early on, especially with Pickett coming in? Do you think that they're going to be able to develop a chemistry that can show that can give us uh, some fruit early on? Yeah, it, it's definitely possible. Um, I would say, you know, the way Gunnar Olszewski has been struggling as a return uh, specialist so far this year for the Steelers and crazy to think the, of those struggles because he was so good last year, so reliable, at least for the Patriots. Um, but yeah, I think uh, he probably brings a little bit more uh, in special teams potentially right away than uh, than in the offense, but he does have a chance to be a guy that uh, they use on some of those jet sweeps and some of those motions. And I think he would, he would definitely come in, uh, for the snaps that we have seen uh, Gunner on the field. So uh, I'm excited to see him. If he comes off of IR this week, comes back healthy, that speed is real, and I'm ready to see it on the field. Steven Sims, man, Steven Sims. <laughs> hey, he could be the, the one, too, you know. Uh, on He could be the one, you know, with the special teams impact if Gunner continues to struggle. Mm-hmm. Two fumbles in, in two weeks, uh, three, actually, I think. Yep. Um, you know, that's unacceptable. And uh, if there's one thing that'll rile up a coach more than anything is putting the, the football on the ground. So not not good for Gunner and uh, might spell limited time for him. On the defensive side of the ball, DeMonte KZ has one week left on his suspension. Jeremy, I know that toward the end of the game, Minka Fitzpatrick was down. Uh, the Steelers lack a lot of depth in the secondary. What do you think the impact could be of DeMonte KZ coming back and rejoining the secondary that really needs a burst of energy? Well, uh, obviously for Buffalo, he will not be available, but if he comes off IR and then, uh, you know, serves his suspension and is ready for Tampa Bay, I think that could be a a huge deal with uh, Tom Brady and company coming to town. There's, there are more weapons on that offense probably than any of the Steelers will face this year uh, with, uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, uh, Russell Gage. I mean, the list goes on. That doesn't even count Cameron Brait at tight end and and Leonard Fournette and, uh, you know, those guys in the backfield. So a lot of weapons and the secondary is going to need to be, you know, just really have all hands on deck. So if he can be there for that, uh, that would be huge for this team. Looking forward to getting him on the field because he's such a, a solid technician on the back end. And I think that he would help with some of the tackling struggles that the Steelers might have had uh, in recent weeks. As it pertains to the secondary, we know that Terrell Austin is kind of the head guy, uh, especially considering the fact that he is the overall defensive coordinator. Mm. But there's always talk about Brian Flores, especially when you bring in a guy like this who can play a lot of different roles. It's like, you know, could he be another hybrid guy for Brian Flores? How big of an impact do you think Brian Flores is having on this secondary? Or do you think this is more uh, Terrell Austin's department, Terrell Austin's department solely? I think the secondary is really uh, Austin's baby. Uh, you know, I, I could see obviously Flores's input uh, from a schematic standpoint, but, you know, coaching these guys up and getting them ready to play and putting them in a position to uh, be successful according to their strengths, I think is, is on Terrell Austin. Uh, I really do. And, um, you know, I, I think, and we'll talk about, um, couple of the linebackers maybe a little bit later in the show but i think flores you can really see uh his uh coach him up uh skills uh in the linebacker room miles jack 
third in the NFL in tackles, and he's doing it because he's in the right place and making tackles, not because he's chasing down a bunch of running backs from behind and whatnot. He's doing it legit. And Devin Bush has played pretty solid this year, and he's getting a little bit better each game, I think. And so I think you're really seeing the Brian Flores impact uh, in the middle of the field as opposed to uh, in the secondary. I tend to agree, and that's not to bash the secondary, really, or with Terrell Austin anyways, because when you look at the talent or lack thereof he has at cornerback right now, mm-hmm. I think he's doing a solid job with what he has. Um, I, I think it's kind of forced him to call games a little bit more conservatively uh, so we can't see a more aggressive defense. But then again, since Mike Tom has been the head coach, the Steelers have never been an ag- aggressive team in the secondary. We'll see if that yeah. changes in the I future. Would say, I would say this, you know, the Steelers – personnel on defense um suits a tj watt led front four able to get to rush the passer extremely well and you can tell that that's how they built this team on defense because um you know primarily zone guys on the back end that are watching the quarterback and when you got guys we saw it in week one when you got tj watt wrecking the game on one edge and now alex highsmith totally coming into his own as an nfl player here winning one-on-one uh, with the attention on Watt, he feasted on Joe Burrow, and you saw that play out in the passing game, and the secondary just sat back there and read the quarterback's eyes and made plays on the football. That's what they're designed and built to do. When the defense can't get pressure up front, as we've seen the last three weeks without Watt, it struggles a little more on the back end. And uh, so you've got to kind of weigh that in there too. Solid guys on the in the defensive backfield, uh, especially at cornerback, more talking cornerback because Minka's an absolute monster back there. But uh, at cornerback, you've got guys that are solid but not flashy, and that you know can only hold up so much over the course of a game when the front four is not uh, applying the pressure that you hoped it could with a healthy TJ Watt. Nothing is better for a sick defense than the medicine of a hardy pass rush. Difficult to well said produce it when you're without the maybe the best defensive player and all football outside of maybe Aaron Donald. But with that being said, it is time for good bets and yeah. bad bets. Got some good ones this week too. Jeremy, let's see how far you can get. You're slowly improving. Slowly improving. Yes. We've got to we've got to get through both the all the good and the bad. Do you think without you rushing at the end, today? right? I'm up for it. I really am. I'll keep it concise. Maybe I'll finish ahead of schedule too. You never know. And then I'll just fill in with some uh, with some guys off the top of my head that I, that I like this week. So all right, yeah. Let's well, do it. Your two minutes starts now. We're gonna start with good bets uh, from this last week. Pat Fryermuth and George Pickens with Kenny Pickett. Their stock goes up to me. I think uh, you see that. Kenny and George had a, more of a connection from training camp. You've seen that play out. And he trusts Pickens to make those plays. Uh, Pat Fryermuth working the middle of the field a little bit more with a quarterback who's not afraid to throw there. I like those two guys moving forward uh, for fantasy. The Lions passing game, man, is it impressive. Even without their top weapon in Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, Josh Reynolds and uh, TJ Hawkinson, who went off in this game, uh, are, we're just total studs. This offense is going to score points uh, fantasy-wise in the passing game, no matter who's out there. So keep that in mind. And then uh, Chris Olave, another 
uh, Ohio State alumni that is killing it at the wide receiver position. Uh, he's a high-end wide receiver, too, for me for the remainder of the year, playing lights out no matter who's playing quarterback back there. Uh, bad bets, though. we got to get into it. Najee Harris is struggling to score points in fantasy. Part of it is usage. Part of it is efficiency. Uh, some of the same issues we had last year that were overcome by some uh, dump-off passing game usage, we're not seeing that as much. Uh, this year so that is a struggle for Najee the Cowboys running backs looked really bad this last week against and not fantastic Washington front seven those guys scare me moving forward and then obviously we got to talk about Javante Williams towards ACL and his LCL this week guys gonna need to step up there Melvin Gordon and uh oh man I can't remember who their backup is but uh Javante Williams out for the season that hurts some fantasy managers out there. So that is good bets and bad bets this week. With 12 seconds to spare. Yeah, man. Cool. That's deal. impressive. Couple things. I have Javante Williams in two leagues. One of them is a 14 team league and one of them is a 12 team league. Yeah. And in one of those leagues, I already actually in both of those leagues, I also have Elijah Mitchell oh. who has been out. Yeah. So now in the one league I have, I don't even know who my number two running back even is anymore. It's, it, I mean, it's it's going to get ugly in that league pretty quickly without <laughs> Javante Williams. I sure. missed out on the top top running backs early. They went before I had an opportunity to take one. Um, yeah, not a good uh, situation for Javante Williams fantasy owners. And then as you were talking about with the Lions, we got to give Antoine Randall L some credit with what he's yeah, been doing man. with those wide receivers. Man, I'm telling you, he has done a phenomenal job in that wide receiver room and. I mean, obviously, give credit to the offensive line as well because we knew they were going to be a solid unit, but they're still yeah. playing really well. I mean, Goff has done a good job, but I wouldn't say that he's the one making this offense move. It's the wide receivers sure. making plays and not necessarily the big-name guys either. Yeah, absolutely. Goff is um, is playing very well at what he always was with the Rams. Rams. He's just getting the ball to, yep. to the open guy. You know, he knows how to do that. And every now and then he'll throw – uh, a real pretty ball. I mean, he's got a really uh, tight throwing motion and, and, you know, he plays the game as a technician and it's really working in this, this offense. If the lions had any semblance of a defense, man, they'd be scary. Oh yeah. What's crazy is that their defensive coordinator who I think is still going to be a good defensive coordinator, but uh, he just doesn't have the pieces right now to work with. Sure. But once he can get, that defense under control. I mean, you're talking as soon as next year, this could be a team that competes. I mean, yeah. you got to wonder what happens with Jared Goff. Do they move along with Goff the way he's playing right now? Or do they go after a guy in the draft and Anthony Richardson, a CJ Stroud, a Bryce Young, depending on mm -hmm. where they're picking? I mean, they're still losing games. So uh, it'll be yeah. interesting to see. If what it ain't happens. broke on the offense, don't fix it. You know, I would say, yeah. you know, they. You know how it's going right now. They'll probably still have a, a top 10, top 15 pick. Get a defensive stud maybe in the secondary. Help you guys out. And then I, I think, think free agency a, may be the way to go for the be defense huge, for quick fixes. Yeah, they'll be a huge free agency player this next year. Should have some cap space to work with as well. Most definitely. Do you have a timer set, Jeremy? I'm getting it up right now. And it looks like you've got a few guys to talk about. So we'll see. How you can do here as well. It's I don't have be... quite as many as the past couple of weeks, but sure. They'll have some okay. guys. There you go. All righty. Two minutes on the clock. Three, two, one. Let's go. Well, for those of you who like good names for the draft, how about Jake Bobo? 
Wide receiver from UCLA. Yes, that is a real name. Six receptions, 142 yards, and two touchdowns. Big wide receiver. Doesn't have excellent speed, anything like that, but he can win the jump ball. Guy to keep an eye on as the draft process progresses. Jameer Gibbs, a guy who's had a really difficult start to the season for Alabama, not having the production that we expected when he transferred in. But on Saturday against Arkansas, 18 carries for 206 yards. That included a 76-yarder. He had two touchdowns on the afternoon. Big day for him is exactly what he needed to keep his uh, okay draft status alive, but still going to need to back this up uh, with some more solid performances as the year goes on. Jalen Carley's linebacker from Mizzou, a guy who had a big impact in a game that was almost one of the biggest upsets we've seen in years uh, over Georgia. Uh, he had 13 tackles, 11 of which were solo, and he had two and a half tackles for loss. Not a guy very many people know about, but right now a guy on, maybe on day three, if he does declare for the draft, guy to keep an eye on. Uh, Miles Murphy, guy who's been projected as a first-round pick for some time, now defensive lineman from Clemson, had one and a half sacks against NC State on Saturday. You want to talk about some offensive linemen, since really that's what the Steelers need to be focused on the most. Nick Broker, offensive lineman from Ole Miss. Interior lineman has a lot of versatility. He didn't give up any sacks. I don't believe he allowed any pressures even on Saturday uh, against Kentucky. He paved the way for a 186-yard rushing attack uh, for Ole Miss. They had a lot of success on the ground, and he was a big reason why. Emmanuel Forbes, we've been talking about corners a lot. We talked about Joey Porter. Mm. Last week, we talked about um, Turner from Michigan. Emmanuel Forbes had two interceptions, one of which he returned for a touchdown um, for Mississippi State in their upset win on Saturday. A big guy to keep an eye on. I think he's a potential first-round pick at this point. His stock is rising quickly. Ten seconds. Jalen Duncan, offensive tackle Maryland, nearly flawless in pass protection against Michigan State. Maryland ran for over 175 yards. He was a big reason why. And B.J. Ojolari, brother of Aziz Ojolari, four tackles, two sacks. And Colby <laughs> winning. And check the rest out on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. There you go. Good stuff, man. I'll, I'll tell you what. I was watching that Georgia and that Missouri game, and that Missouri defense was flying around like crazy. And, uh, you know, I've also also noticed that Clemson's defense really is a catalyst for that team as well. They're going to be tough to beat uh, for opposing offenses, no matter who it is. Um they might not have the most explosive offense there in Clemson, but two powerhouses that um, – or, well, one powerhouse in Clemson that has a really good defense. And then Mizzou really had Georgia on its heels for probably three and a half quarters of that game before Georgia turned it on at the end. So, Yeah, it really comes down to with – Clemson specifically, just the consistency of DJ Uyunglele. They have all the other pieces they need to. Will Shipley is a tremendous back. I mean, you could even compare him some to Christian McCaffrey, the way he moves in his quickness, his speed. Um, he's a little bit bigger be, than McCaffrey too, isn't he? I think he's a – I'll be a check little the numbers because I don't know the numbers in front of me, but, man, when he declares, he's going to – you got to be thinking right now first-round pick. I've got a first-round grade on him uh, for the following draft, following this year, um, but – Definitely a guy to keep an eye on moving forward. We're going to take our break right now, but when we come back, we're going to get into the topic of today's show, which is picking positives from the Steelers' rough one and three start. Don't go anywhere. You won't want to miss any of it. We'll be right back after this. We're back for the second half of the Steelers Fix. Jeremy Betts alongside me. My name is Andrew Wilbar. 
let's mention something before we get into this, Jeremy. A guy that we interviewed in the pre-draft process, a guy that That's we right. loved interviewing. You know, he was a laid-back guy, but is so knowledgeable about the game. Bailey Zappi. And if you didn't get to check out that interview, go and check him out. You can check it out on Behind the Steel Curtain. I have it up on my YouTube channel if you want to see the video for it. Um, he was just a really cool guy to hang around. Yes. Uh, and he got to play yesterday. I, I feel kind of bad, though, because I was talking to some of my friends here at college, and I'm like, you know, Brian Hoyer is starting today. Man, I... I I never hope anyone gets injured, but man, I really hope that he gets injured just so Bailey Zappi can play. <laughs> and then he goes down. Oh, I'm man, like, oh, I don't know if I should have wished six. that. I, do, I, I feel yeah. kind of bad for uh, the old man, Brian <laughs> Hoyer there. Um, and all jokes aside, I do, you know, hope a quick recovery for Hoyer. D- yes. Definitely don't want anything uh, badly to come out of that. Um, but we did get to see Bailey Zappi. And you could tell he was a little bit hesitant with it. It was a rough mm-hmm. environment for him to come into play at Lambeau Field where it was loud. Yes, absolutely. Um, he didn't have a ton of help uh, from his offense, uh, several underthrown balls, but he did have one really good drive that he led down the field for a touchdown, 25 yard pass to Devonte Parker. Uh, Beautiful throw. Yeah. We have seen a lot worse opening games for rookie quarterbacks than Bailey Zappi. Yeah. He is a guy that, you know, we'll see what happens with, you know, Brian Hoyer's status heading into next week, but be perfectly honest if I'm Bill Belichick, and neither Mac Jones or uh, even if Brian Hoyer is ready to go, wouldn't be a bad idea to just see what you have in Zappy. Continue to see if he can show yeah. some growth, get some confidence. I don't know. Um, I'm not aware of who their next um, opponent is, uh, but mm-hmm. I can't imagine it's going to be any worse of an environment than Lambeau Field. Uh, maybe an opportunity for Zappy to get his feet wet. But overall, Jeremy, what are your thoughts on uh, Bailey Zappy? I was I was pretty happy with his first game. Yeah, um, I think he showed uh, a lot of poise coming in like he did. Obviously, he he probably got zero reps, you know, in yep. in practice this week. And for a guy who, like, I don't think he ever played under center in college. I think he was – they were basically a, a shotgun um, air raid. For the most offense, part, right? he, he had kind of proven that he could play if it n- – needed to be he could play in a pro style offense because mm. i remember that was one of the questions that we had asked him about you know going through his tape yeah. he he could go through his reads well he wasn't you know just the one progression you know spread right. concept you know he could really read a defense so it seems like it would translate well as time went along um and he that was kind of one of the things he was really trying to prove to teams because i think that was something that you'd mentioned to him and he's like mm. thank you so much for mentioning yeah. that that's <laughs> somebody else you know realized that right absolutely uh, yeah i thought i thought you saw that uh, i think he might have been like just a step slow going through his reads but you know i mean like like we said getting thrown in there like that against a a quality opponent in uh foreign territory as well hostile environment there in Lambo, one of the loudest stadiums in the NFL and one of the better defenses in the NFC as well. You know, I thought he, he did well and he kept him in the game, uh, sent it to overtime with that touchdown. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was a very impressive. And one thing you never were concerned about with Zappy was his ability to just take things in stride and be confident and poised. And he displayed that I thought very well. And outside of that sack where he lost the fumble, which was mm-hmm. that was a big boy sack by Rashawn Gary. Yeah, um, that was a welcome to the NFL moment for him. But other yeah. than that, he did a good job. And it, I mean, Tracy Wolfson, if I remember correctly, had asked Belichick or Belichick came over to the sideline. She had heard what he had said and he was pretty much saying, you know, 
at the end of the day, we, we want him to just take care of the football. Don't do anything yeah. dumb with it. And you could tell maybe he was being a little bit hesitant because of that reason. You know, he didn't want to sure. make a bad mistake, but uh, he played it safe and overall solid first performance for the guy. Um, I don't like rooting for New England, but um, I kind of had to yesterday when Zappy got in there. So definitely happy for him. But Jeremy, topic of today's show, picking positives. And this is Jeremy's idea, picking positives from the Steelers first four weeks, which have not been the prettiest, but no. there's always a silver lining, right? So Jeremy, let's start with you. What is the first thing that comes to your mind as it pertains to the beginning of the season, something that we can take away that is a positive? Sure. So I think I'll hit the obvious one just right off the bat. And it's, uh, you know, we're, we're talking picking the positives. So, you know, can he pick it? came in and it was up and down. Yes, it was made a couple bad decisions. Um, but overall, you know, you got to love the, the fire that he brings to the offense. Uh, his play style is very, um, very confident, very leadership oriented. And I think no moments too big for him. A lot of the talk about him, uh, you know, we need to wait until this, uh, this, tough stretch of games is over uh, before throwing him in there. I, I don't think that that is a problem for him from a confidence standpoint. Um, I thought, you know, he, he was um, quick to decipher the field for the most part, save the one throw to Fryermuth on the sideline. Um, you know, that ball should have just been thrown out of bounds and he kind of panicked after nobody in the middle of the field was open and, you know, guys in his face. So, that was the the one time you saw maybe some of those rookie jitters a little bit. But other than that, I mean, talk about a guy standing strong in the pocket and getting absolutely clobbered. Welcome to the NFL moment, like we just talked about with Zappy. Um, you know, <laughs> Williams just absolutely clocked the the heck out of uh out of picket there. And it was, you know, he stood strong in the pocket and delivered a ball to Firemuth that got it down to the one yard line. And then I think his legs are an underrated aspect of his game and he used them uh, to perfection in this game and uh, was very decisive when rolling out of the pocket, something that uh, I did not think Trubisky was. So uh, Pickett definitely brought a spark to this offense. And I think there will be some growing pains, but I think he's the, he is the guy moving forward and we'll see how, you know, how good he actually can be. But uh, for this year, uh, for sure, he's the guy. Yeah, at this point, because we, we had talked about it in depth last week, and I don't think there's that many out there that would think otherwise, but if you're one of those Twitter trolls out there that thinks that benching Trubisky is going to make him better, uh, you're delusional. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we have known, we all know that Trubisky's issues have never been about talent. He is a talented guy. It has always been about confidence, 100% about confidence. Benching the guy in place of a rookie is not going to help his confidence at any <laughs> yeah. point. And I mean, I, I think you could make the argument. The Steelers have the two most unlucky quarterbacks in the NFL and Mason Rudolph and Mitch Trubisky Mason, because of just <laughs> all the drama that happened with the miles Garrett incident. Sure. And then everything, you know, that is transpired in his few years in the NFL. And then Trubisky who got booed before he ever played a game in the NFL and really had an effect on his confidence that he was never able to regain back. And, you know, We'll see what happens ahead. Uh, I mean, we saw a little bit more of the offense. It looked like he had a little bit more freedom on Sunday. And really, I mean, the interception wasn't even his fault. He played it safe. He didn't 
he was yeah. not responsible for any turnovers yesterday. Um, obviously, the I think fans PFF wanted Kenny. Even mentioned that that he he had no turnover worthy plays. Mm-hmm. You know that was PFF's turnover worthy statistics or what whatever for right. throws said he right. was not at fault. I mean, you could argue bad decision maybe on the second one, but yeah. but still, you could you can also say it hit his guys in the hands first and those guys got to make plays, you know, and also give credit to the jets for playing the tip drill really well. Yeah. I mean, nine times out of 10, those balls still hit the turf. And uh, so bad bounces Mm. went the jets way as well. Yeah. I think the million dollar question at this point is really what would, was Canada allowing Trubisky to make plays on the move or were they keeping him, forcing him to stay and make plays through the air? Um, cause we saw, I don't want to jump to conclusions because I did seem like the offense was a little bit better in allowing Trubisky gave him a little bit more freedom on Sunday to do things that he was more comfortable doing, which was a positive sign. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when they moved to pick it, it looked as if it was the offense was, it wasn't necessarily running differently, but it felt like Canada, Canada's trust was already higher in Trubisky yeah. or was already higher in Pickett, excuse me. Than it whatever that probably ever was in Trubisky just by seeing the fact that um, even as calls for sneaks on the goal line and stuff mm-hmm. Trubisky's done in his other places it's not like I, I have a hard time believing that you know Trubisky had this thing where it's like you know Trubisky is too afraid to you know sneak the ball but we saw sure. the confidence that Canada had in him by even allowing him to run that and of course it got the crowd pumped up and didn't get me pumped up because I had Najee Harris on my fantasy team and I needed a touchdown right same but <laughs> um, you know I'm cheering for him I've, and. I'm not an anti-picket guy. I haven't been, you know, it was just the fact mm-hmm. that the Steelers brought in Trubisky didn't make sense um, to me, right. but you know, I'm rooting for picket. Um, I think the, my top thing is that the pressure's off right now, yeah, you know, absolutely. You, you, one in three, if all goes wrong, the Steelers are finally picking up at the top where you can get a top offensive line. And I can't help, but look at Paris Johnson from Ohio state, Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern, some projected move inside to guard, but you know, could play tackle as well. Um, we saw Rashawn Slater stay at tackle a couple years ago who lacked that length, uh, but has become a really good tackle when healthy. Um, there could be options for the Steelers at the top of the draft if the Steelers have the opportunity to pick that high. Jalen um, Carter. I think he's more of a 4-3 guy, but we'll get into that when we get <laughs> spring time. Sure. We'll, we'll sure. dive more into that. Um, but, Jeremy, what's the, where's the next place you want to go? So I want to talk uh, another pick. You know, a pick in George Pickens – who had a, somewhat of a breakout game here, and it started before Kenny Pickett came in the game. So to be fair there, Trubisky hit him on a couple throws that were uh, very impressive. And, uh, I mean, George Pickens is just a violent player uh, with the football in his hands, uh, going up to the catch, um, uh, run blocking. We saw another one where he just blew up <laughs> a cornerback on the edge. And so – he plays with a, an intensity and a violence that Steelers nation is going to love uh, as it continues to grow. But I think, you know, going over hundred yards in this game, uh, six catches, I believe on eight targets. So a reliable uh, a target. And those, a cu- those couple back shoulder throws from Pickett to Pickens were incredible. So, you know, no matter how this season turns out, the Steelers have pieces man we gotta i mean you gotta see that the Steelers have some pieces to build off of it's not like 
you know, say this is a re, uh, somewhat of a rebuild year by the end of it, you know, losing season, high draft pick, whatever, you know, a couple draft picks that you really hit and maybe a free agency addition that you really hit on. And this team's a, a true contender uh, in 2023 if Pickett and Pickens develop the way you think they could. So some pieces in place, uh, very impressive um, week four for George Pickens, I thought. I agree with pretty much everything you said about Pickens. My next thing is kind of correlated with the first thing, and that's that the scum is going to rise to the top. The dirt is going (laughs) to rise to the top. Uh, When things are bad, we're going to see what both the players and the coaches are made out of, and we're going to see what needs to go and what doesn't. There's a lot of competition in the wide receiver room. A lot of people want to talk about. Um, there's a lot of competition in a lot of different places. Uh, you could talk mm-hmm. about the offensive line, um, who's uh, legitimate, who is a piece of the future and who is not. Um, you could go to uh, even the secondary and figure out, are any of these guys worthy, or at least the corners, at least, of being starting corners in future years? Or do the Steelers need to just gut the position and you know figure something else out? Um, I, I also got to look at the coaches, too. I don't think Mike Tomlin's going yeah. anywhere. I think he can stay as he's going pretty much can stay as long as he wishes. Um, but what's going to happen with the offensive coordinator? How bad does the Sears offense have to struggle with Kenny Pickett? I mean, Canada has no excuses at this point. I mean, if Pickett goes in there and lights it up, I don't think Matt, Mike Tomlin's going to get rid of Canada. Uh, I, I highly doubt that he'll even get rid of him if Pickett is just okay. I think the only mm-hmm. scenario where we see Canada gone is if, Pickett is no improvement at all from what we've had so far with the offense the first three and a half weeks. Uh, I don't know if you would agree with that, Jeremy, but I, I think it's put up or shut up time for Matt Canada. If it yeah. wasn't before, um, we know how the Steelers are loyal to their assistants, but if the Steelers offense still continues to struggle in some sort of facet, even if it's just running the football, I don't think there's any excuses with this offense anymore. There's everything. He has everything he needs outside of a top-notch offensive line. Uh, and, yeah. But their pass blocking has been better. So what else, sure. what excuses does Kanda have at this point? Yeah, he has none. I mean, he's got a quarterback that mobility-wise and accuracy-wise should be able to operate his system exactly how it should be. I mean, Trubisky should have been that guy as well. So, you know, whether Trubisky had what it took to be that guy uh, or not, you know, that was the big question. And, you know, I think we saw that. I Well, I don't think that he did, but we'll see if Kenny Pickett also looks uh, lost out there. Then uh, I think that, you know, he's, he's going to have to be someone who's held accountable for the struggles of his, his system. And like you said, Najee Harris, if he can't get going this year uh, again, if, if, you know, things are, aren't working well in that facet, then, you know, you've got to think about that as well, because I mean, Najee Harris should be a top five back in this league, you know, on a, on a weekly basis, he should, he has that ability. Um, And then this wide receiver room should be a top five wide receiver room in the league as well. You've got to think about that. Not just wide receivers, maybe pass catchers, but um, so you're right. The only thing he's lacking is in an elite offensive line and they've been very much serviceable through the first four weeks. And, uh, an established top tier quarterback. He doesn't have that. Obviously Uh, it could come, but right now he does not have that. So he's going to have to put up or shut up this year. That's, that's the way I feel about it for sure. 
think a big part of Canada is going to be getting the Canada guy involved in this offense, Chase Claypool, and seeing if he can get him going. Um, but Jeremy, we've I think we both have two more things left we want to discuss yep. real quick. Uh, where are you going next? Mine are fairly connected, so if you don't mind, I might just okay. talk about them both right here. Um, I think the growth of Alex Highsmith uh, in this defense, you see him winning one-on-one matchups uh, even without TJ Watt there, and that's very encouraging. He had the Steelers' lone sack in this game, but he pressured um, he pressured Wilson several other times and won his one-on-one matchup a lot, and I think that he's come into his own as a force. And uh, with TJ Watt on the other side, this duo could be one of the better or easily is one of the better pass rushing duos in the league, despite Alex Highsmith being kind of a no name, if you will, second guy. He's got all the talent in the world and he's refined his pass rushing moves and, uh, you know, has shown to be an explosive player off the line of scrimmage. And I think he does a great job in run support. That is one thing that he has been doing very well. Uh, pushing the ball, uh, you know, containing the edge and pushing the ball back towards the middle of the field like he's supposed to. I think he's doing a good job of that. And piggybacking off of that, TJ Watt is going to come back at some point this year. You know, whether that's before the bye, could be as soon as Tampa, right? If if you're talking he can come off of IR after the Buffalo game, man, would that be huge? We saw him running on the sideline in uh, week two, I think. Uh, week three, was it? And uh, he looked – uh, you know, fluid and, you know, that's different than contact and, and stretching and whatnot. But so we'll see how that goes. But if he can come back sometime before the bye, maybe the season isn't over yet. And uh, the AFC North is well within reach still for the one and three Steelers, every other team, two and two TJ Watt will be back. This defense will get better because of that. Um, and uh, you know, as long as there aren't any other catastrophic injuries to that side of the football, uh, they should return to top five form uh, with, the return of TJ Watt. So those two guys being in being very good will change things for the Steelers. And I think that they can be. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with the offensive line. I'm not going to spend much time on the offensive line either because we've discussed it. Some, the past blocking has improved. It's they're not giving up sacks. They're still allowing some pressures, but, and they're still making it uncomfortable for the quarterback, but they're definitely not as bad as they were in that department last year. And they seem to be showing some growth. Uh, but the run blocking is still, whoa, woe is me, yeah. <laughs> um, really bad. Um, I, it's kind of like one of those situations, you know, our offensive line is not garbage. It is now garbage. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, it, it's a little bit fancier, you know, has a little bit more intrigue, but still really not good. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it is an encouragement to see that some of the young guys are stepping up um, in crunch time situations when the game has been on the line. Typically, the quarterbacks at least had some time or at least part of the offensive line has done their job, even if the other half did not. So it's good to see that we're seeing some growth. It's not maybe the growth that we wanted to see, and we were kind of expecting it to come in the run blocking department before the pass blocking. Uh, But Mm -hmm. regardless, I think right now Steelers fans are happy with whatever they can get out of that line, and we are seeing some progression in the pass blocking department. And the last thing is the improvement of two guys that have been filled with drama, Chase Claypool and Devin Bush. Claypool is staying out of drama. He's not showing the production necessarily, Mm -hmm. but he is staying out of drama. He's staying out of the news, which is a plus. And you can't help but think that Claypool is going to see more looks with Kenny Pickett as the quarterback now. And Devin Bush, he's playing good football 
mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen, he is playing good football. He is yeah. solid in every aspect of the game. He's doing really well in coverage. Um, he's doing good defending the run. He's not avoiding contact anymore. I think it is the Brian Flores effect. I've got to say, I think that um, he has come in and had a big impact on him. I know Miles Jackie had a missed tackle yesterday. It wasn't his best game, but still um, out there making a big impact. And they're really mm-hmm. seeming to feed off each other. And you can't help but think it's only going to get better when TJ Watt comes back, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that changes everything because the defense is designed around pressure with the front four and you're just not getting that it allows all these other guys to play so free and yeah Devin Bush gets lost in in the wreckage every now and then because I mean he's not the biggest guy the Steelers Mm. didn't draft him to be a thumper big guy in the run game you know he'll he'll get lost in the wash every now and then but as far as like you know being in his spot and making sure that he's you know sticking to his assignment he's been top notch with that and you saw him stick his nose in there with some violence this last week for sure. Uh, I think he nearly had a sack in, in this game against the Jets, brought a ton of pressure up in Zach Wilson's face, really affected uh, uh, that drive for them. And, you know, he and Miles Jack are working well in coordination. And I think you and I had some concerns about that going into the season, just stylistically how they would mesh together. Brian Flores and Terrell Austin doing a good job of helping them mesh together and playing to their strengths. Most definitively. Find Jeremy at the bets 93. Find me at Andrew underscore Wilbar on Twitter. Be sure to check out at BT steel curtain behind the steel curtain, BTSC Steelers. Find us on Twitter. We put out great content each and every day and be sure to check out behind the steel curtain.com. Your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Jeremy Buffalo bills are next on the schedule. Mm-hmm. What are your initial thoughts? Uh, let's just, you know, keep it within a couple scores. Maybe, maybe, uh, you know, win against the spread. Right now it's 14 and a half points. <laughs> so stay within a couple scores. That's my uh, thought process. But the, their secondary is a little banged up. Maybe Kenny Pickett can take advantage with this wide receiver room. But that front seven for Buffalo is intense. So I don't expect much out of this game, but I just like to see some improvement uh, and some continued, um, I guess, success from Kenny Pickett, George Pickett, some of these things that we've talked about uh, offensively. And then, you know, how how does this defense hold up against probably the best uh, offense in football, even down a few wide receivers here? So, uh, you know, the Bills are definitely not 100% healthy, so that helps the Steelers' chances. And we've already seen the Colts, who look like garbage for three weeks out of the four of this season – and they still look pretty rough against the Chiefs. They won that game because the Chiefs made their own boneheaded errors. It's not – any team can win any Sunday, don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, if the Steelers can squeak one out against Buffalo, that would be amazing. But uh, I would just say let's look for some improvement and some continued growth from the the offense and the defensive units here and uh, take away the positives that we can going into this week. See, to me, I almost think that this seems like – the week that it would just make sense for the Steelers to pull off this amazing win. Yeah. All the talk is Kenny Pickett's going to be the best quarterback in Steelers history. <laughs> and I mean, everyone is going to be riding this emotional high for the next week. I'm still picking Buffalo to win, but it wouldn't yeah. shock me if the Steelers shocked the world. And I'll sure. just, uh, wouldn't shock me. Imagine uh, Steelers nation. If the Steelers and Kenny Pickett beat Buffalo and then T.J. Watt comes off of IR going into Tampa, the whole mood would change 
<laughs> you know, it'd be like, imagine the flack Andrew Wilbar is going to get on Twitter if that happens. Yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to get out of here for the night. It's been a fun show, Jeremy. Thank you so much. It's been absolutely. fun as always. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Steelers Fix. Until then, enjoy NFL football. Go Steelers. <laughs>